0: Welcome to Citizen Science, stories of science we can do together. Coming to you virtually live from SciStarter's Virtual World Headquarters. In this episode, citizen scientists tell us how they join the CITSCI community and how they share citizen science with others. Hi, I'm Bob Hershon. Citizen Science enables people from all walks of life to advance science research. It's a collaboration between scientists and people who want to contribute to scientific research by collecting data, analyzing images, and making observations. And it's a community where people come together for a common purpose and share their interests with others. For today's show, we asked you, our Citizen Science volunteers, for stories about how you've engaged your friends, family, students, or complete strangers in Citizen Science, and or how you got involved in Citizen Science yourself. Who or what inspired you to sign up for that first project? To start us out, here's Alyssa Reese, a science teacher drawn to the world of Citizen Science by the COVID pandemic, and the urgent need to stay engaged with her students in challenging times.
1: My name is Alyssa Reese. I work at New Tech High in Coppell, Texas, um, and I'm a biology facilitator for ninth graders. Hey,
0: Alyssa. You mentioned in your email that you had worked with citizen science with your students, but I wonder if you had any familiarity with it before that.
1: Yeah, so long story short, I have struggled with doing labs as a science uh, teacher over the years. And I'd heard of citizen science, and it's pretty awesome, but I hadn't really been able to jump into it. I'd keep saying I would, and I would, and I would. And finally, when COVID hit, that's when I was like, oh, okay, citizen science is how we're going to do some science work at home. (laughs) So that's when I jumped in.
0: Okay. So how did you introduce them to it? What sorts of things did you do?
1: So um, I invented this thing called a biodex, and it's not a super uh, new invention, right? Other teachers have done this over the years. Um, but I just reframed it and called it a biodex and said, you're going to catch all the living things you can find in photos, um, and had them use the seek app, wait, uh, so that they wait, can- why the,
0: why biodex for oh, people like, who, who aren't following that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So it's like a, a Pokedex in Pokemon where they got to catch them all. Got to catch all the Pokemon. Oh, all right. Uh, and so it's <laughs> got to catch all the living things, a biodex.
0: Oh, Okay.
1: Yeah, so they uh, were using the Seek app to do that. A couple of them started using things like PlantSnap and whatnot, uh, and they were supposed to find as many different species as they could, and then whenever they found something that they couldn't identify, that's when they would upload to iNaturalist and really help uh, that research project figure out what is this thing, why is our algorithm not able to understand and figure this species out. and the main thing was I wanted to get them outside, taking care of their mental health and taking breaks from the devices and all the stress of this pandemic hitting. So um, a lot of them found it to be pretty great. So,
0: All right. So I know you weren't with them, um, so it's hard to know how they're reacting and everything. But, but what have you learned about their involvement?
1: So we did this all throughout last year. So the first kids that did it, they did it spring breaks to the end of the year, only about eight, nine weeks of it. Kids last year did it for a good eight months of the school year. And I made them, you know, do a certain number of species each week and put it in this little journal where they put thoughts and record, you know, real scientific thinking about things. Well, I had a lot of kids complain about it during the year and they tend to complain about anything that's frequent, like every week. But I've had kids come into my classroom uh, probably three or four times since the school year started. It's been two months, you know. And this year they've said, well, I kind of miss doing it. It's really nice to get outside and look around and and see new things. And one of the kids said they're still adding to this journal they were doing every day and using Seek every day. Um, Another kid said that every time they see something new, they go, oh, my goodness, Biodex. And, you know, they pull out their app, even though they don't have to do it anymore. So Mm -hmm. um, it's been nice to see that they're actually looking at the world around them. Uh, Some of them are still contributing to citizen science projects and now I've opened it up to a a group that comes together on Fridays. We have a very flexible Friday at our school here at New Tech. And they come together on Fridays and do whatever citizen science project they're interested in that they can do at the moment. So if they don't have the materials or whatnot, then they pick a different one.
0: So do you know what they're doing when they come together? Is it still like iNaturalist or, or other things?
1: So um, some of the kids have chosen, let's see, one of them was helping with a project to increase, um, let's see, disability awareness in different cities, a project to make sure that the streets are set up right. Um, One of our kids is doing the light pollution one where they go outside and record light pollution where they live. Um, We've got kids doing like, you know, the cams where they take wildlife photos and need to identify what organisms are in this photo um, what are they doing? We have a lot of kids doing different cam projects. So those kind of things.
0: It's like a citizen science army. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, slowly but surely. <laughs> All right. So you mentioned that
0: you have an opportunity now to introduce it to other grade levels. So, So what's that about?
1: Yes. So... So because we have what we call flex Fridays at our school, we don't do a normal school day schedule. We let the kids choose kind of like they're in college. Um, we let them choose their schedule for the day. Oh, cool. And so um, I can have kids come into that session from any grade level and come do the citizen science stuff. And so it has Ooh, kids, wow. let's see, uh, from every single grade level now that have been coming to do this.
0: Wow. So cool. All right. So do you have anything else you'd like to share?
1: Oh, man, I just love that there is a community out there where citizen science projects are collected. It is fantastic. Uh, I'm super excited about it. And I feel like there are too many cool things I want to do. But my big dream is that I will get my family into it soon. I see us, you know, sitting around on couches during a holiday and just like going at it and showing each other the cool stuff we're finding. I'll let you know if that good nerdy moment ever happens.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, follow up. (laughs) Well, thanks so much.
1: You're welcome. Thank you. Have a great day.
0: Alyssa's students have tremendous access to citizen science opportunities and a great teacher to guide them. Sumit Banerjee is a graduate student in India who participates in citizen science today and shares citizen science ideas with his peers in India, but had very few such opportunities
2: when he was in high school. To me, citizen science, I was introduced pretty late in my career, I believe when I was 25 years old. I believe citizen science has the capability of uh, of uh, shaping and tuning our young minds, the the children who uh, go to high school or maybe who just graduated. I think for them, it's a plenty of opportunity. I truly believe, I truly wish that maybe when I was in the school trying to get things done and trying to do something in science, I had something of this sort. It was not there. So Sumit, was was it difficult to focus on science when you were young? Oh, there was a lot of difficulty, yes, because resources-wise, I do not have much. I come from a economically backward family, and also I am from India, which is not a central hub for astrophysics as of now. We do have certain engineering projects going on with satellites and with communication, but not core astrophysics as such. So, yes, there there was a lot of difficulties, and citizen science came to my rescue because I did I did not have many research experience. I did not have many papers to be precise. I did not have many internships to be precise, which is uh, exactly what undergrads do these days. I, I did not have any of them. I needed something to start off with. And citizen science is something that helped me get into these fields. So that is how it has been. Okay, but you found it after high school, right? So did someone introduce it to you? Uh, It was more of a self-motivation to speak about because I am a master's student in astronomy and as a part of my dissertations and all, I must contribute in research. And that's how I got introduced to citizen science because you meet a lot of researchers out there and that's how I started. And what were the first projects you joined? Uh, In citizen science, I started off with classifying images. That is how I started. And then I think... About a year, about seven to eight months back, I received an email from one of the researchers, and it happened to be District detective, which is one of the projects I believe Sci Starter has on their websites. And uh, I started attending calls. And by the way, the calls are late night in my time. It's it starts at one o'clock in the night, one a.m., and it goes till three three thirty in the morning. So I attend this every week without fail. And slowly and steadily I had been making progress and now at present I do some kind of data analysis with them with the science with the team and yeah that, that has that how that's how exactly it's all about. Wow, that is so great. Okay, and what are your plans now? Uh the first thing I would like to have my master's degree. I am I have just started my master's degree a month back and post which I'll try to get into Stanford, that is my dream college. Getting a PhD from Stanford would be like a dream come true. And that's the big dream and as per now, the short term. And the long-term dream, if you, if you might ask me, maybe in 30 years or 40 years, I, I think that's pretty much the plan at this moment, but I plan to get the Nobel Prize for my country. So that is how my plans are. And let's see what happens. This is just a starting point. Wow, I
0: think you would be the first of our volunteers to win a Nobel Prize, so we are gonna be rooting for you. Thanks, Sumit, for sharing your story with us. Thank you. Citizen science really does open up new possibilities for young people who either find it on their own, like Sumit, or thanks to teachers like Alyssa Reese, and also thanks to the efforts of Girl Scouts, 4-H clubs, and other clubs and community groups. We spoke to a Virginia Girl Scout troop leader about her experiences.
3: My name is Gail Cook, And I am from Palmyra, Virginia, in Fluvanna County with a Girl Scout Troop, 1484.
0: Thanks for being with us. Now, in your email, you wrote that you and your troop got involved with citizen science through a merit
3: badge. Can you tell us about it? Yes, it's called Thinking Like a Citizen Scientist. And there is a few things that you got to do in order to earn it. And one would be, you know, to help out a science community doing a science uh, project. So I Googled it and came up with the ant picnic project. So the girls like that. And we chose that.
0: Oh, right. That's the one where you put different food items out on like index cards and see what, which ones attract the most ants, right? Yes. So how did it go? What did the girls think?
3: The girls actually loved it. We ended up having to do it twice because we did it in April. And of course the project said, don't worry if you don't get any ants, then that's okay. That's just, you know, you put in your data and this is what happened. And so, since we didn't have any ants the first time around, and I had a bigger group of girls in August on August the 28th, um, we decided to redo it and came up with um, the amino acid attract the most ants.
0: Okay, and, and amino acids. Where do you where do you get amino acids?
3: <laughs> it's like a powder you can buy uh, in the pharmacy um, that you could use for uh, bodybuilding and... Oh, and they like that more than the sugar water? Yeah, they did because they the girls actually were like, okay, we think that the ants are going to be attracted to the cookie and maybe the sugar water. But the girls actually looked up on the internet to find out that the amino acid gives the ants the most energy and the most nutrition that they need for a healthy life and carrying things back to the ant pill. Okay, and your
0: troops experiment confirmed that. Okay, so so now your girls have done it, and I guess they've gotten their badge. Uh, do you think they're all, they'll be doing more citizen science? Is there uh, interest in it?
3: There always is interest. The girls are very into the STEM projects, the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And we, I put my girls out there to do anything and everything that I can possibly get them to. Anything science, technology, they definitely are up to doing it.
0: Great. Anything else you'd like to share?
3: Well, the girls were really excited about doing it. And they were very excited that the data that we collected is going into a website that has more data that's collected elsewhere. And they like the fact that in the data that we put out on the website, it actually pinpoint our location, latitude and longitude location as to where we did it. So they thought that was cool. That's great. Thanks, Gail. Thank you.
0: And finally today, biology professor Thad Yorks is at Casanova College in upstate New York. He introduces his undergraduate students to authentic scientific research by having them collect water quality data for the Clean Water Hub project.
4: Yep so um we're an undergraduate institution so it's all you know college students working on their their bachelor's degree um from you know first semester up through and of course some transfer students that that come in as well uh so Many of the, the types of data that we collect, uh, rather than just simply, you know, go on a, on a data sheet and then we might play around with those numbers a little bit for purposes of the class assignment. Some of the databases that are available allows us to upload those data, um, take it that next step um, and make those data available basically forever.
0: Right. And I bet that makes it more engaging for the students, right? Instead of just, you know, doing assignments that get stuck in a desk somewhere.
4: Yes, yes, exactly. It's I love it. It's it just makes everything that much more exciting and, and interesting. And uh, you're exactly right. It's um it, it makes it that much more valuable, that much more real. You know, we're doing real work, not just checking off the box in a course assignment.
0: Okay, and what projects are you working on?
4: So the the main stuff that we actually primarily um, stream water quality. Uh, Stream water quality databases. So through the Isaac Walton League, um, they've had in place for some time the what is now what is called the Clean Water Hub, and so we can upload data to that. Um, so it's you know chemical, some 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 straightforward chemistry uh some of the basic parameters that are that are be very commonly measured like the things if you had to measure one or two things these are the things you would do like phosphorus dissolved oxygen those kinds of parameters it also allows us to upload or the uh, macroinvertebrates so you know we're talking about the insects and other you know crayfish um etc that we find in those streams using a protocol that, that um, Saver Streams has fine tuned over literally decades. They just celebrated their 50th anniversary here within the last year or two. So, you know, it's, it's a protocol that's tried and true. And so this is a really cool story that you can relate to students. And, you know, they can understand that I didn't make this up, you know, and then just make it up last year and tweaking it for the first time. These are protocols that have been modified and, and fine tuned over a long period of time.
0: And in your email, you said you're also bringing citizen science to the community, Beyond the college, right?
4: Right. Yes. And so I've uh, been involved with our local scout troop for 15 years, a long time. Kids came up through there, and we've got a really, we're fortunate we're in a really tight knit community that really, overall, is very passionate about. You know, we got a lake three three blocks from campus, one direction, a trout stream three blocks the other direction. So there have been efforts to monitor um, stream water quality and, and lake water quality for a long time, and so being able to get those data out where people can see it see those data is really helpful. Ah, oh, so cool. Anything else you'd like to share? So one of the things that, you know, with, with doing some of these kinds of things, not specifically because it's citizen science, but because it is science that has real life application and, um, and students can get enthusiastic about it. You know, we see this, we've seen this time and again, work in terms of, developing them and getting them lined up for success after graduation, you know, finding that first job as a, you know, laboratory technician, which, you know, entry level, but we need people with attention to detail and, you know, have some experience um, and can see the value in, you know, collecting data not just for collection sake but for you know going forward being able to to detect any potential changes and and hopefully be able to respond to them um or you know graduate school we've had students that have benefited i'm sure by you know this in part um collecting data in various uh, waterways around here so that's that's obviously part of the picture we're, we're going to college to get a career going not just to get the degree right so so that works
0: Right. These are like skills that are practical and useful for, you know, I mean, all sorts of careers and activities that, you know, they might pursue after they graduate. You know, thanks so much for everything you do and for sharing your story with us.
4: Thanks for having me. This is great getting the word out and, and uh, getting more people involved. Appreciate that.
0: Four different perspectives on citizen science volunteering through four different projects, iNaturalist, Ant Picnic, Disc Detectives, and Clean Water Hub but all of our guests use citizen science to vault themselves and others into a vibrant community where professional scientists and citizen scientists work together to explore, solve problems, and make the world better. I'm Bob Hershon. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you each month by SciStarter, where you'll find thousands of citizen science projects, events, and tools. It's all at SciStarter.org. That's S C I S T A R T E R.org. SciStarter's founder is Darlene Cavalier. And thanks so much to you, the listener, and the citizen scientist, for getting involved and making a difference. If you have any ideas you want to share with us and any things you want to hear on the podcast, Get in touch with us at infosciestarter.org. At Once again, our email address is infosciestarter.org. Thanks again, I'll see you next time.